This summer, the International Oster Club held a fly-in at Middlewallop, and we went along to meet them. And in this edition of Young Eagles, I am going to be flying in this Oster. The International Oster Club brings together owners and pilots of historic Oster aircraft. The Oster came into military service during World War II as an air observation platform. Its small size and agility enabled pilots to get a good view of the battlefield and enemy positions and report these back to the troops on the ground. The club members have met up at Old Serum Airfield where they are preparing for the short flight to Middle Wallet. And I am going to be flying with them. And this is Peter who has offered me a lift. And while we are preparing for the flight, Callum is already at Middle Wallet checking out some World War II technology. As part of the Oster Day at the museum, the 4th Battalion of the Dorsetshire Regiment have recreated a Second World War camp and I'm having a look at some of their equipment. This is the 0.303 inch calibre Mark II Bren gun. This was made in Canada. It's a light machine gun. Uh, there was one per section. Uh, magazine holds about 28 rounds of ammunition, which is fed into here. Uh, it's quite a heavy weapon, about 19 pounds in weight, I believe it is. If you want to try holding it yourself, Wow. Heavy, isn't it? So why is it called the light machine gun? Um, it's because it's it is light. It's it, one per section was carried. Uh, bigger machine guns, like a Vickers machine gun, would be called a heavy machine gun, which would take a couple of people to operate and to carry all the, the bipod and all the bits and pieces around. But because this is a one-man operation weapon, I call it a light a light machine gun. Well, I was looking over there earlier, and I seemed to realise there was. A phone over there which looked quite big. This one here? Yeah. Yeah, this is actually an American phone. The Americans uh, supplied these to us under lend lease. A bit different to our normal mobiles now. They're, they're a lot bigger, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's got an extendable aerial. It's not a very long range, it's only about a couple of miles. To operate it, you would press the button on the side and uh, you'd hold it to your head and press the button, talk and then wait for the message to come back. It's hard to imagine a world without computers or mobile phones. And MP3 players are a lot smaller these days as well. And meanwhile, back at Old Serum, it's time for the Osters to take to the air. Now I'm a bit nervous, but I'm really looking forward to this. You can see there are lots of different types of Osters here, as over the years they have been used for all sorts of things, such as mail delivery and pleasure flights. Okay, so here we go.
So while Hannah makes her way to Wallop, I'm checking out some of the planes that are already here. The Oster played a key role at the time of the D-Day landings, and I found one that was actually there. So Mr. Aaron, this plane was used in World War II? Yes, it was, Caleb. Uh, it it uh, landed in France, in Normandy, just after the landings of D-Day, and then it followed the army through France into Holland, and then eventually all the way across Germany until the end of the war. It looks quite sort of like flimsy for a war plane. Well, it, it does look flimsy, and you have to be careful with it not to damage it. But if you see the way that all these tubes are, they're just like in a racing car, some old racing cars, the, the tubes are positioned to make the whole structure very strong. It's like a roll bar. Exactly, that kind of thing. Well, the Oster may be small and light, but it had an important job to do, and I've met up with Ted Maslin Jones, who flew an Oster like this in Burma in World War II. We called ourselves Air Observation Boat Squadrons, and our job was to direct artillery fire. But we're the only squadron that was sent out to Burma, and we had to support the whole of the 14th Army while we were there. So apart from uh, directing artillery fire, as we gained experience over the Burma jungle and, and the plains of Burma later on, we uh, were increasingly required to uh, assist with all sorts of things like um, helping to find lost patrols, looking for water in the dry season, and I think the ground uh, forces thought that we were especially useful having these light aircraft that could take off from very short runways uh, to help with the general uh, running of the war. So you won a couple of medals in Burma, so what were they for? The first one, um, it all started when I flew out to an island which was about 20 miles off the coast and landed on the beach and met the um, commanding officer of, of 44 Marine Commando. Their plan was really to um, make an amphibious landing uh, on the coast and to um, press on inland towards a range of mountains which is about uh, 15 miles away. Uh, so that I was able to range the artillery all the way down the area that he was going to um, uh, invade and, and then watch the results of the artillery fire. I was also able to watch the um, progress that the, he, he, his troops made on the ground and to help them in various ways from spotting where Japanese artillery were, uh, where some of their troops were, and uh, tell them the results of the artillery fire that, that we'd, we'd been putting down. And uh, as a result of that, uh, eventually they gave me a DFC. Um, the second medal came much later on in the war. Our troops were held up by um, very tenacious Japanese infantry. So over a period of about three days, I was able to um, fly forward and very low and uh, tried to find where the uh, Japanese positions were. And each time I went up, I was able to make sketches of where these were relative 
to the roads and the river and um, and each time I came down the infantry commander would meet me and we would look at the sketches and after about three days we had a fairly complete picture of where all these Japanese positions were. It was the um, infantry commanders that uh, recommended the awards and in this case uh, I, I was awarded an MC which was pinned on my chest in the field by the artillery commander. So the Uster may be a small plane, but it has a big reputation. And in its military and civilian models, the International Uster Club is helping to preserve both the planes and their place in history. We hope that you have enjoyed the show, and we look forward to seeing you again on the 1st of November for the next edition of Young Eagles.